This is the last week of our series we've been going through called Grow. We've been talking about how a Christian grows spiritually, that growth starts with the planting of, the, of a seed, and that seed is the gospel, that seed is the good news of Jesus Christ. A person chooses if they're going to believe in Jesus Christ or if they're not going to believe. A person who believes in Jesus Christ, that first step, that seed begins to sprout, begins to put roots down, and it begins to grow. As Christians, none of us start off as fully developed when we, as soon as we make that decision, that statement of faith. We, we don't all of a sudden become fully grown. It's a process of growth. None of us are professionals as soon as we make that decision. It happens slowly in our lives. But the growth that does happen only happens through God's power and the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. However, we play a part. We play a role in that. We're not exempt from participation. We also need to be involved in helping with our growth. So we get started this morning, I have a short little video for you guys back there, so I'm going to need sound and that in just a second. Um, there's, there was a commercial in the early 80s, and it's for a business most of you have probably been to have enjoyed Wendy's, and it left a lot of people asking a question. Does anybody know what that question was? Where's the beef? So hopefully you enjoy this commercial. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. Where's the beef? This short phrase, this short question spurred on several other, when you look them up, you can see several other commercials. Where's the beef? Well, this morning I'm not asking the question, where's the beef? I'm asking the question, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? In the book of Mark, Jesus alludes to this question in Mark chapter 11. It happens during Passion Week. Passion Week is in the midst of Jesus entering Jerusalem. He comes into Jerusalem in the midst of fanfare, of palm branches waving, of cries of Hosanna. This happens the day after Jesus enters Jerusalem, Mark chapter 11. Verse 12, on the following day, the following day after what? Jesus entered Jerusalem. 
when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Mark 11, verse 13. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Jump down to verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look! The fig tree that you cursed has withered. And in verse 22, Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Mark chapter 11, Jesus sees a fig tree in the distance. He sees the leaves are on the fig tree. Leaves normally meant that fruit would be developing. But Mark even notes that it wasn't time for that to happen. Verse 13, the very end of that verse. For it was not the season for figs, but yet this tree was showing the signs of bearing fruit. Jesus sees the tree and seeing the leaves, he thinks maybe there's fruit on this fig tree. But he walks over to it and it says he found nothing but leaves. And then Jesus does something that feels out of character. Jesus came to restore life. Jesus came to heal. But Jesus curses the tree. He says in verse 14, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. You see, this passage is a metaphor for our Christian lives. It's a metaphor for our Christian walk. As we're talking about growing from a new believer to being fully mature, developed in Christ, I want to offer several warnings from this passage and the question we need to ask this morning. There's a fig tree with its leaves. I wanted you guys to get a, that picture in your mind. So take a little click with your mind. So you have that. That's fig tree with its leaves. I, I have a question we need to ask this morning. Am I producing fruit? Am I producing fruit? If this passage is a metaphor for our Christian lives, I think we can say that people can sometimes look good on the outside, from a distance. Say, oh, that looks good over there. They do a lot of good things. Jesus saw the fig tree, and it looked good. This wasn't the first time, however, that Jesus was discussing fruit being good or bad, Matthew chapter 7, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the Sermon on the Mount, verse 15, Matthew seven fifteen. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. What are they? You will recognize them. He says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. So they look good on the outside. He says in verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. What Jesus is doing is he's giving us a comparison of fruit. He's comparing two different types and he says there's a healthy tree and there's a diseased tree. A healthy tree will bear good healthy fruit. A diseased tree will bear diseased fruit. From the type of tree will come the type of fruit. So good fruit comes from a good source. It doesn't come from thorns or thistles but rather it comes from a good source. So he gives this healthy tree, healthy fruit, we're going to keep that around. If it's a diseased tree, if it's the diseased fruit, it's going to be cut down. He gives this comparison of fruit. Someone who is an arborist who works with trees would understand if you have a diseased tree, you don't want it affecting the rest of your orchard. So what would you do? You would cut it down. But Jesus is describing those who would try to lead believers away, those who are false prophets, who come, look good outwardly, but inwardly, he says, are just ravenous wolves. So what does good fruit look like? Ask that question this morning out loud. What does good fruit look like? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Paul gives us the answer in the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 19, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Or, now the fruit of the flesh is evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul gives us a list of the fruit of our flesh. Has anybody in here ever been jealous before? I raise my hand because I have been. Has anybody in here ever been angry before? I raise my hand because I've been angry before. We've all experienced some of the fruits of our flesh. A part of our lives. But Paul continues, verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit. So there's the fruit of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. 
Have you ever experienced love before? Joy, peace, patience. That doesn't come from our flesh. That comes as a work of the Spirit in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit. Paul is contrasting these two types of fruit. Fruit of our flesh versus fruit of the Spirit working in our lives. Part of the process we go through of growth is that the Spirit is working in our lives to help us rid ourselves of the fruits of the flesh and take on more of the fruits of the Spirit. The problem is, as Christians, sometimes we do something like this. We try to paint our fruit and make it look good. And so we take something that's rotten and cover it in orange paint and we say, well, I've produced an orange. But in reality, it's not really good for anything. We see how we should look, what we should do. Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 7, beware of false prophets for they come to you in sheep's clothing, but they are inwardly ravenous wolves. We have to be careful about what may be attractive, what may look good on the outside because inwardly it could be just rotten. I don't know if you recognize what happens in the midst of this passage. The passage we were reading back in Mark I skipped a portion, if you noticed. What happens in the midst of this? Jesus curses the fig tree, and then Peter recognizes the fig tree is, is withered. And then Jesus responds, verse 15 of Mark chapter 11, And they came to Jerusalem, and he, Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city there was a real-life illustration in the midst of this passage. Jesus curses the fig tree, and then he enters the temple, and what does he see? He sees a bunch of ravenous wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing who are only there for their own gain. They're selling items that are needed for the sacrifices, but they're not doing it to benefit others. They're doing it to benefit themselves. It's like going to an airport and you go get some food and what do you pay? You pay twice as much, right? Because you're stuck in the airport. There's nowhere else you can go. That's what this was like, the temple. If they brought their own sacrifice, it wouldn't be that much. But to carry from far distant places was difficult. 
to move your livestock. And so they would come and they would buy, but they would have to pay twice the price. And Jesus says, my house to be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. A real life illustration of the fruit that was being developed in lives, that it wasn't good on the inside. Maybe it looked like they were doing good. Oh sure, we're meeting a need, we're selling. But they were only doing it for profit. Secondly, am I producing fruit? Inspection reveals production. Inspection reveals production. Jesus walked up to the fruit. He came to it, but he found nothing but leaves. Jesus asked, where are the figs? Or in other words, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? He walks up to see if the tree is producing, but he only finds a fraud. A tree that looks like it's producing, but it is not. After high school, I worked in a Walmart distribution center for several months before I went to college. And part of my job, I was a case slot order filler. That was my title. Basically, that meant I took boxes off of a shelf and put them on a conveyor belt. Sounds like an easy task, right? Well, it is when they're cases of light bulbs. But back then, TVs were the size of refrigerators. And so moving a TV and picking it up and putting it on a conveyor belt was not always an easy task when the TV weighed almost as much as you did. But we had to make a certain rate every hour. So many pieces that we moved onto a conveyor belt, and they tracked it. They had a whole electronic system that tracked how good you were doing. And at the end of the day, they could say, well, you did really good, and you didn't do really good. There was an inspection that the leaders were making, and the next day they would say, oh, man, you, you didn't do so hot yesterday. I was like, well, that was because I was in the area with all the TVs all day. <laughs> So-and-so, he was just throwing light bulbs on all day. That, of course he made right. But there's an inspection, and Jesus does an inspection here of the fruit. He walks up to the fig tree, and he sees the leaves, and there's nothing. There's no fruit. If you were to evaluate your fruit right now, would you say your fruit is good? Would you say maybe your fruit is bad? Or maybe... There are some pieces that you've been just covering up to make to look good. You've painted over. But there's, pa there's passages like this that have to cause us to ask, how am I doing? What does my fruit look like? Third, fruitlessness produces consequences. Fruitlessness produces consequences. There's a result Jesus curses the tree, and it says they next, the next morning they're walking by, and they see the tree is withered away. 
we are told throughout the New Testament that there are going to be consequences for those who don't believe in God, for those who don't follow Him. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, He said this, On that day, what day is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is talking about the day when he is going to be given the task of judging all of humanity, living and dead. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Didn't we look like really good sheep? And then I will declare to them, this is Jesus speaking here, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There are a lot of people who believe out there, if I just do some good things, I'm going to make it to heaven. If I do more good than I do bad, I'll be fine. But what do we know? We know that there's only one way to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ and that is through him. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You see, we're given an opportunity whenever we hear the message of the gospel. We're given an opportunity to respond to that. For those who don't believe, their opportunity is to respond and believe in what Jesus Christ has done. For those who do believe, our opportunity when we hear the gospel is to say, yes, that is how I'm going to live my life. Yes, I'm going to have fruit. Yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. But that opportunity only comes while we're living. This is not a decision that should be put off till some other time. Fruitlessness produces consequences. There's a story I found online this week. I was looking for how to illustrate this. And there's a story that talks about an ox and a donkey. There was an old farmer who had an ox and a donkey, and he used the two of them to plow his fields. The ox one day said to the donkey, well, I don't really feel like going out and plowing today, so why don't we just both pretend we're sick? And the donkey said, well, but the season is short to, to, to be able to, to plow the land, and so we need to be working for the farmer. But instead, the ox, the ox decided, well, I'm going to pretend to be sick. The donkey goes out, and he plows, and he comes back in, and the ox asks him, well, how, how did it go today? The donkey says, well, we didn't get as much done as we should have. Why? Because the ox was playing sick. But he's like, we'll go back out tomorrow. The next day, the ox plays sick again. And the donkey goes out and plows and comes back in, and the ox says, well, how did it go today? The donkey says, it, 
We didn't get as much done as we should have. We're getting behind now. And the ox says, did the farmer say anything about me? The donkey says, well, he didn't say anything to me, but he had a long discussion with the butcher. There are consequences to being fruitless. We laugh at the story, but God is calling us to produce as well. And biblically, we're told if we're not producing, God is going to affect consequences to that. Now that's not always outwardly visible fruit, but there should be inward fruit developing. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, selflessness, self-control. We're offered choices every day on whether we follow Christ. First, we're offered the choice of, do I believe in Jesus Christ and accept his sacrifice for my sins? And then second, we're offered the choice of, am I going to grow? Am I going to be fruitful in my life? Or am I content to be inactive? Am I content to sit back, to play sick in what I say I believe? Finally, am I producing fruit? Number four, faith and prayer are crucial for good fruit. Faith and prayer are crucial for good fruit. It might seem odd. Verse 22, verse 23, Peter says, Rabbi, Look, the fig tree you curse is withered. Verse 22, Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Pray. Have faith in God and pray. That's what Jesus answers here. And that seems like an odd answer to Peter's statement, doesn't it? It doesn't seem like it quite directly relates to the situation. But think about this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42... The Bible tells us the disciples are dedicating themselves. Those who believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has come upon them. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the, what's the word there? Prayers. They dedicated themselves to prayer. They are praying. And what happens? That was verse 42, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you think prayer and growth are interrelated? Do you think it's important? I would have to say yes, prayer is interrelated to growth. We see that in the early church. They're praying and growth is happening. The work that is being done in our lives for us to grow, for us to mature, for us to be complete in Christ, it's going to start with faith and prayer. 
Those two components are crucial for good fruit. God is the one who produces the good fruit. Remember this verse, we've talked about it many times. I planted, Apollos watered, but who gives the growth? God gave the growth. Because the growth can only come from God. We need to be in prayer and in relationship with him. And Jesus reminds us in John chapter 15. This is starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Does Jesus talk about this process of fruit? Over and over again, Matthew chapter 7, Mark chapter 11, John chapter 15. Fruit is important that we're growing, but the only way we can have fruit is if we're connected to the vine. We have to be connected to the vine. I don't know if you have trees in your yard. I don't have many trees in my yard now, but when we were living in Michigan, I had four trees in my yard that would constantly dump leaves and branches. There wasn't a season. It was, it snowed, leaves and branches came down. It rained, leaves and branches came down. Winds blew, leaves and branches came down. They were just always down. But what happens to those leaves and branches when they separate from the tree? They separate because they've died. They've fallen off. They're no longer apart. And that's what Jesus is saying. We have to abide in him if we're to remain fruitful. Because apart from him, we aren't going to do anything. I think what's important is this. It is not only that the branches that aren't bearing fruit are cut off, but it's also those that are being even the most productive. They're being fruitful. God is still working and pruning them. He's still cutting pieces off to make them what? More fruitful, more productive. God is working But that happens through our faith. That happens through our prayer with God, our relationship with Him. Our our fruit is an indicator of what that relationship looks like. We can't have bad fruit in our lives and say, well, our relationship with Jesus is just fine. We can't have rotting fruit can't have rotting fruit in our lives, even if it's painted, and say, well, I'm, I'm fine with God. Because if we're connected to the vine, if we're abiding in Jesus Christ, 
if the tree is good, the fruit will be good. So my question this morning for us is this. Is my relationship with Jesus Christ yielding fruit? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Is my relationship with Jesus Christ yielding fruit? What is happening in your life? Is God working on you inwardly, creating some of those fruits of the Spirit in your life? As those are developing, is there outward fruit that's happening? What is your fruit look like so my question is where where's the fruit where's the fruit i don't think there's anybody back there where's the fruit ask yourself that question this morning father we pray that you would be working in the midst of our lives helping us to develop the works, the fruit of the Spirit and not the works of the flesh. Help us to be putting those off and abiding in you so that our fruit may be healthy, so that our fruit would flourish. And God, we understand as you are pruning that sometimes those things are painful, but they are necessary. They are necessary for us to be more fruitful for you and develop more into who you are calling us to be, and that is like your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you work in our lives today, work in our lives this week. Help us to ask that question, where's the fruit? Am I growing fruit and developing more for you? And God, if we answer no or we recognize there's a spot in our life where we need to be developing more fruit, God, intercede in those places. God, work in our lives that we would produce fruit for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.